This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Adam Jones and Paul Wheelock as we chew the fat over the major talking points at Goodison Park this week and on the agenda today for the second podcast of the week, Andre Gomez. Kurt Zuma, trip to Spurs, uh, a surprise injury list, and I asked the lads to give me their feelings and their hunch on who we may well see for the final time in blue this weekend as the season draws to a close in London. Um, but as I said, the agenda, we will start with Andre Gomez, just before Marco Silva um, sat down to do his weekly press conference, his final one of the season. Reports in Spain um, suggested that an agreement was already in place with Spurs and that Everton were done for. It wasn't going to be their summer and that Gomez was heading to uh, the new Spurs stadium. Uh, Marco, Adam, though, um, refuting that almost in a way, he was sort of suggesting that perhaps not quite as uh, cut and dry as the reports may have suggested. Mm-hmm. We've we've heard all this before, haven't we, really? Uh not just with Andre Gomez, but even thinking back to last summer with the uh, Yeri Mina pursuit. <laughs> uh, remember how many times he was linked with Manchester United yeah, yeah. over over those like couple of months, and uh, uh, you you're wondering whether he was uh, going to come to Everton or not. And then it transpired that Manchester United didn't really have an interest in uh, in signing Yeri Mina. And you know, I'm not saying that Spurs might not have an interest in Gomez. You know, it might be the case that they are interested, but I think to suggest that he's agreed personal terms like before the end of the season with another club it'd just be, I think that'd just be a bit hasty for me. Uh, he's, I doubt he's even talked much about a permanent move to Everton as Doesn't of yet. Sound like it, yeah. Now, like, obviously, Everton are, try, you know, in talks with Barcelona to try and push through some sort of deal, but you know, Gomez seems to me that he's just been focused on. You know, playing match obviously you not know, over the last three games, but yeah. you know, uh, he just seems to be focused on playing as as much as he can until the end of the season, and then seeing how far it goes from there. And I think that's uh, what Marco Silva's comments have reflected today as well. We love the, it's clear, and we know for a fact that there is competition, and 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 from from around Europe and, and Spurs have, have for a while now been credited with interest. Have you got any concern that we won't get him? Because it felt at one point like it was it was us in a one-horse race, isn't it, really? Um, but obviously his performances through certain parts of the season have, have, have piqued the interest, haven't they, of certain clubs? Have you got concern that we actually have a proper fight on our hands? Yeah, I, I do. I think if you look at him personally, everything he, he's given out in terms of like the, in interviews he's done with yourselves and other media outlets, and it's clear he's happy here, isn't he? The video we posted this week, there's no question about that. And we all know he had a, a tough time off the field as well as on it in Barcelona. And I, I do hope that holds us in, in good stead. But And I don't think it'll be a money issue with him. You know, he's played at Barcelona where I'm sure he got paid more money beyond his wildest dreams. It's, it, it's just... I'm not, Tottenham is certainly not a bigger or a better club than Everton, but they are in the Champions League. And Tottenham are, are a very good side, but I, I look at their midfield and I don't think they've ever really replaced Dembele. And I think Gomez is kind of like in that ilk. You know, he's he's quite a, a powerful player. He can play. He's not particularly a goal scorer or a creator in the final third. But I, when Tottenham have got the players they've got ahead of him... It, I worry that he would be the perfect fit there. I'm not surprised they're, they're linked with him. I'm not surprised the teams that you've also credited uh, with incest in, in a, a link with him because I think he's a really good player. But at the same time, you know, he was in this position a year ago, wasn't he? He knows if he stays at Everton, 
he's, he's already happy. The fans love him. The manager's got complete faith in him and he'll probably be a certain starter next season. And I hope those per- personal factors will influence his decision because at the end of the day, if Tottenham do come calling, they're in the, they could be the Champions League winners you know, mm-hmm. in, a, in a month's time. So I, I wouldn't blame him for giving that giving that move for. So yeah, I'm worried, but at the same time, I hope he's happy here and, and that'll help us. They, they will be Champions League winners. That's a very good point. See, I, 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 fingers, fingers crossed on the desk. Wheelock doesn't think it'd be a money issue. So when Marco says we need to show our ambition, do you think actually it is a money issue and that's Marco in a roundabout way saying we need to make him the highest paid pay at the club or give him what he he wants? Or is it about paying the transfer fee that would take every other club out of the race and actually not being... Um, not trying to sort of find a bargain, so to speak, and not trying to to, to sort of um, negotiate too strongly, and just going, you know what? Let's pay the money to get him. Mm. What, what's your hunch on that? Personally, I'd argue it's neither. I think what it what it struck me as today is that Silver was talking about the players' personal ambitions more than anything else, rather than setting Everton's ambitions as a club. And I think. I'd probably, if it was talking about the club, I'd go with the latter. You know, it it should be a case of just paying whatever it takes to get him on board. But I think Marco was more necessarily talking about, look, we haven't got European football to offer next season, but it's about, it's going to be another summer about selling the long-term project again. So he's he's getting Andre Gomez. And I don't know if this ever works that way, though. You might have, have an understanding of this. Is it almost about telling Gomez on the QT, right, these are the, here are the players we want to sign. It, yeah, I think that I think that would that could well be the case. And you know, it, it is all about it, it, it's going to be similar to last summer in a lot of ways, trying to convince players to come here. Like, it might be a bit easier, obviously, because of you know the way Everton have been playing over the last few months, and mm. that's probably a big string to the bow that Silver can then go with to Gomez with and say, "Look, you fit into this system perfectly. Look how well we've been playing mm. against some of the biggest sides in the country. You know, you can take us up to that next level." And then it's it's all about showing that ambition to Gomez that look, we can challenge this top six if you come here, mm. and it's all about making Gomez believe that. And I think that's more what Silver was trying to get at right. rather than it being any sort of money issue because I do agree with Wheelow. I think, especially in terms of Gomez as a player, I'm not sure it, it would be any sort of you know issue over wages or anything like that because you know he's been at some big clubs across Europe already. You know He'll have, he'll have got a fair bit of money. I'm the, not suggesting he's on the breadline. Yeah, <laughs> at, the, at the age of 25, I think he's done, he's done all right for himself. Mm. So uh, I don't think it's going to be any sort of money issue. I'm not sure... Like Spurs have got quite a strict wage structure themselves. I'm not sure even if it was a money issue that Spurs would particularly be able to offer much more money than Everton would in that scenario. So, yeah, I think it's all about showing, you know, that kind of project and, you know, where we, we're seeing Everton being in the next season, you know, over the next two years as well. Hopefully by then we'll be in European football in some sort of scenario. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's about like, convincing Gomez and the rest of our potential summer signings about that. Well, I asked Marco this actually in the, in the, in the sit-down over this afternoon and you can read his response, but I'll ask you the same question. With regards to Gomez and Zuma, but obviously we're talking initially about Gomez, how long do we wait? How long do we negotiate with Barcelona? Do we wait until deadline day with, like we did with Yeri Mina and Andre as it happened to get him on loan? Or do we have to walk away do we have to do the club have to set themselves a deadline and go 
we can't afford to be haggling and talking, etc., beyond this point because we want to avoid the difficulties of last summer where we brought players in at the last minute and some were injured, etc. We need to keep, we need to be hitting the ground running this season. Uh, a bit of both, really, because I think, yeah, we don't want to do what we did last season where we put five or six in the last couple of weeks on the last days um, because there's no, there's not really any excuse this year either. There's no World Cup and there's the Nation League's final, but that's over within a week. And it'd be nice to, in an ideal world, if not straight away at pre-season, within a couple of weeks to have that squad in place, especially when the transfer window's brought forward now as well. <coughs> uh, Barcelona and Adam, you touched on it before, are notoriously difficult about kind of letting players go, aren't they? But what me, you know, maybe an upside of their defeat in the week was the fact that they may have to do a bit of a rebuild this summer because okay, they've won the league again, but they've they were outclassed by Liverpool in the in the second leg, and you you look at that team and it's quite an aging team, and if they want to bring in two, three, four really big stars, they're probably going to have to get a lot of rid of a lot of players. So it's almost like. Can you go to them and say, listen, we know you're going to try and have to get rid of players. We are offering you 30, 35 million now almost. I don't it's, know if blowing, a, blowing out the water. On a different level. They've almost got a similar problem to what we have. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. There's a lot of players who, not dead, I don't, Gomez is never dead wood, but do you know, but, uh, he but, is but, a single in terms of, yeah, in yeah, a, yeah, We're talking relatively yeah. here. To Barcelona, yeah. he's somebody that they can afford to lose, isn't he? Definitely. So that gives me a bit of hope. My other kind of point I was, trying, I was going to make was, the thing is, yeah, and we want him done as early as possible, but it's, it's the Adrissa guy thing that that uh, Adrissa mm. gay thing that worries me because he, is he still going to be wanted man in the summer? You know, it, is it almost worth waiting to see what happens with him first and foremost? You know, maybe if he's going to stay, maybe the Gomez deal isn't as, as much of a priority, and maybe he could hold off. The, the one fear I've got is having looked at how well we've played in this mm. second half of the season. We look a proper team now. Just don't want like two of the key players to to not be there at the start of the season because that would you, leave a big a big hole. Absolutely, and you, but you would be fully expectant that the football club and Marcel would be prepared for such a scenario. They will have a valuation in mind for Guy, won't they? And and, mm. and uh, somebody lined up should they get an offer that they deem acceptable. Um, Adam, moving on to Zuma, Chelsea this week uh, had their transfer ban upheld, but they made it clear initially, uh, instantly, sorry, that they will uh, go to the Court of Arbitration for Sport to try and uh, get the sanctions lifted. Um, what's your feeling as we sit here uh, heading into the final game of the season over Zuma? Do you think we've got a chance? Zuma. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we've always got a chance. And I think, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to uh, belittle their transfer mm. ban in any way. And, you know, it, it has made things that little bit harder, I think. But in, in my head, it's only potentially bumped up the price, really. It's not as if Chelsea don't have a lot of competition mm. still at centre-back, yeah. you know, uh, Gary, Te- Gary Cahill, sorry, is going to be uh, leaving the club in the summer, but they've still got Rudiger, David Luiz. He's going to sign a new deal. Isn't yeah, he? David Luiz signing a new deal. Uh, Andreas Christensen, uh, Ethan Ampadu says, I'll ask Billy Quetta can play there. You know, they've got a number of good players and I'm told they've got a number of good youngsters coming through the ranks as well who can play in that position. So, mm. you know, there's still a lot of competition in that, in that sort of area and... Zuma himself, you know, let's not forget last month said, I'll be playing next season where I think I'm going to get minutes. Does he think he's going to get minutes at Chelsea still? You know, if you're, it, if you're, if you're Kurt and you're going, well, the season I've had, would, you'd back yourself, wouldn't you? I'm just playing devil's advocate. I don't want him I mean, to think that. The, the, the point is, if I was Zuma, I'd be thinking, well, I've got to be starting every week. Yeah. Because 
in in my head, I'd argue out of all the options that I've named, that Chelsea maybe only Rudiger's better than him mm. at the minute. I'd say Zuma is better than all of the rest of them. Like I'm presuming that Aspilicueta will play primarily at a fullback rather yeah, than yeah, centre back, yeah. but I think he's better than all the rest of them. And it's just whether Sadi agrees with that or not. Like there was a reason that Zuma went out on loan in like last summer. You know, Sadi went in there, rated his chances for the season and yeah. said, look, you're not going to get the kind of minutes that you want here. You need to go out on loan. Now, whether that's changed Sadi's opinion or not... I think, like, I mean, that's, they got one I think of the best defensive records in the league in terms of clean sheets. I think that, well, exactly. Yeah. That's the uh, that's the big question. You know, if like if a big enough offer comes in from us for Zuma, then you can only imagine that Chelsea would still be keen to sell. So, mm-hmm. and, you know... You're looking at that in terms of Zuma, and he's going to get more minutes here than he would at Chelsea. Well, play I, every week, wouldn't he? Pretty mm-hmm, much, exactly. You'd think so. So uh, I still think Everton do have a very reasonable chance, and it was it was good to hear Marco Silva's comments in his press conference today, going along the lines of, you know, yeah, it does make things harder for us, but it doesn't. It's not going to stop Everton, you know, trying their course, best. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's the exact attitude that Everton should have, definitely. So we are the most expensive. Um, Defender in the club's history is Yeri Mina. Initial twenty-seven point five million. That right, isn't it? Um, do we have to go above and beyond that? Do we have to make Kurt Zuma the most expensive defender in the club's history to sign him? Do you think? Do you, th- do you think that we ha- we will be forced to go that far? Yeah, I do. I do. I think was Michael Keane twenty-five. Was, mm. was yeah, mm-hmm. and that was what a couple of years ago. And prices just continue to spiral, don't they? And I think it's it's just consistency this season has just been absolutely superb. And you know, if, if the thing is, he's like a ready-made player. We know what we're getting with him, don't yeah. we? It's like Gomez. Like, if you say, all right, you're going to have to pay £35 million. Well, it's not a risk, is it? It's near it, enough a guarantee yeah. now, isn't it? Because yeah. he's, he's young. And he, I think, it's like what you were both saying there, I, I agree with you, Phil. I think Zuma may look at it and go, I could get in that Chelsea team. But equally, he's had this great season ever since. He's in the France squad again, isn't yeah. he? And, you know, I think Everton have got a lot of work to do before we're up there with, with, with Chelsea standing. But in a way, could we turn around and say, well, listen, they're not going to buy any players for the next two seasons. They could be losing Hazard, mm-hmm. whereas we're going to be adding to our squad. Yeah, and yeah. it's almost like, can we target them and, and Arsenal and, and United? But to be fair to Arsenal and, uh, Arsenal and Chelsea, they last night proved didn't they, that they're still a bit ahead of us. You know, that the mm-hmm. fact they can go and, you know, get to the Europa League final. But you never know, do you? You know, Chelsea, if they lose Hazard and can't sign anyone for two years, as good as the young players are, they're, they're going to fall behind, I think. Mm-hmm. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Interesting. So we shall see over the coming days and weeks and, well, maybe months, but hopefully it won't drag on uh, too long into the summer, uh, the pursuit of Gomez and Zuma. Um, final game of the season on Sunday, trip to Spurs. Um, Adam, you've been writing about this week, uh, about players we may see for the last time yeah. uh, in an Everton shirt and in an Everton squad. Um, of the players that you mentioned, who's the player that you think you'd bet your mortgage on we won't see him next season? Oh, yeah. Uh... I think it's got to be Jagielka, hasn't it? Right. It just, it just felt like, it just felt like the end in that Burnley game. It was just, it was all, it, it all just set itself up really nicely to be that, you know, final good or some farewell that we all wanted to see for, you know, a player who's given as much of his playing career to the club as Jagielka, like a lot of it as captain as well. Uh, came off the pit, uh, came off the bench. Sorry, in the. In added time, uh, Silver made a, a big point 
Uh, I only watched I only watched this back on the uh, TV cameras. Didn't see it at the time, but he made a big point of shouting to Coleman, give him the armband because there there was a bit of a, uh, right. there, was a there was a bit of a like disagreement it seems when uh, Jag Yoka came on against Manchester United mm-hmm. I think it was Coleman tried to give Jags the armband and Jags was refusing it saying you know you've been the captain all game mm-hmm. and Coleman was very insistent to give Jag Yoka the armband but Silver like made he seemed to make very clear to Jag Yoka look you're getting the armband this time shouted mm-hmm. to Coleman in particular give him the armband I don't know why he'd do that with two minutes to go if it wasn't going to be some sort of significance for protocol or is it as Adams you know Rightly alludes to and, and join the dots that it could be his farewell. Yeah, it felt symbolic to me. So why? So why then? Sorry, we to into why is then Marco saying today at his press conference we're still talking to him? I don't know. <laughs> I generally don't know because I know a couple of weeks ago the kind of impression was that we'd have some kind of resolution mm. into this week. I, I don't. Is it the Zuma factor? You know, the fact that he's going to have Keane definitely. Minu's got a lot of fitness issues to overcome. And then Holgate, who's out on loan, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they, maybe they, they think we we can't be guaranteed with Zuma yet. We might have to keep holding for another year. But I'm I'm with Adam. It just felt like that. That the was that. Was that. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's you done for later. <laughs> no, I, I I get the impression that sh- that could be it for him. It just felt the the right way to go. And then you see the reports today, don't you? Linking him with Rangers. You know, I think that, I think that's a bit of a step down yeah. for him, to be honest. I, I mean, think he can still make it in the Premier League. Think about Sheffield United, yeah. hasn't there? Yeah. The old club, um, you know, be, be top signing for them, wouldn't he? Mm, yeah, aspect. definitely. Do you think? And, and we've we spoke about this in the pod a few times, uh, several times probably. Is there anything in your mind, Adam, that the, the, the conversations that are going on with Jags in the club are that we can offer you something, but we can't make any guarantees, and that's where Jags is going? You know what? I want to play. Well, I think I think that's probably absolutely right at the forefront because you know we've seen over the last couple of months all right Jagielka didn't have the best game <laughs> against Fulham but he came in uh, against Cardiff and he played he really well mm-hmm. despite like a little early error but he yeah. quickly got over that and played really well played really well against Arsenal obviously bagged the winning goal in that yeah. game so you know he's obviously proven that he's still got the capabilities to make it as a Premier League defender you know over the last few years, I'd say probably his pace was his best asset as a centre-back. But as he's lost that pace, he's gained that experience to just be able to read the game. And he intercepts play so well, he gets himself in front of attackers really well cause, just because he reads the game so well. And I think, you know, if, like, let's say, a Sheffield United were to come in for him, I think he'd be a massive asset for them because, you know, they're going to have quite an inexperienced squad in terms of a Premier League appearances, you know, bringing in somebody like Phil Jagielka, who's been a Premier League captain for so long, you know, right at the top end of the Premier League table as well, you know, that would be a massive asset for them. And I think, you know, there's, there's probably the thinking that Jagielka's saying, you know what, I can, I can still cut it in the Premier League, you know, he's turning 37 in August, is it? I think so, yeah. And, uh, you know, getting on a bit, but, you know, he, he has still proven that he's got it in him. So I think that'll probably be at the forefront of his argument. And Everton are probably thinking, well, you know, if we are to have Kurt Zuma next season, then we've got Zuma, Holgate, Mina, Keane, Keen. uh, you know, even Morgan Feeney might come up from the under-23s. Lewis Gibson's been playing really well from the yeah. under-23s as well. You know, we've got a lot of really talented players in that position, you know, so... It, it 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 is a bit tough, and I think I'd probably agree with Wheeler. I'd say the Zuma thing probably is holding this back a little bit, but 
certainly, as I mentioned, that that game against Burnley did feel quite significant. Mm. Wheeler, so Adams picked Jags as a player. He would bet his mortgage on not being, uh, not seeing next season. Um, who would you say is really different? That not be involved Sunday, maybe, or <clears throat> even in the travelling squad? And you think that'll be the last time we see him? Try and throw someone different, maybe Luckman. I Ooh, just, right, okay. I just, I wonder about Luckman. Mm. I just, I'd, I'd love him to stay. I yeah. think he's shown enough, uh, even against uh, Burnley. Like we kind of, we went into a bit of a lull, didn't we? That second half, mm. and he kind of, and we had he, after he came on, he hit the bar. And we seemed to have a couple of chances. He should have scored one himself, shouldn't he? But I just wonder. There'll be a lot of players, as we mentioned earlier, trying to get out the door. The Deadwood Luckman's certainly not one of those. But whether all those players can be shifted on for a transfer fee, he might have to be taken out on loan and. I imagine that Everton won't be, will be contributing to the, some of their wages. People like Sanzo, particularly, if you can't get rid of him uh, full time. And I just wonder if, you know, Leipzig were to come back into Luckman and offer kind of similar kind of money or a club equivalent of that, whether Everton would be tempted to take it. Because I don't know. I don't, I'm not saying, Marco, you guys are no better. I'm not saying that Silver doesn't fancy him, but he's never had a prolonged run in the team. But equally, I don't think he's ever really deserved to have a prolonged run in the team. Mm. And I just think. Say if there are going to have to be four, five, six signings brought in again this summer, you might have to lose a player. Uh, and if, if someone was to offer that kind of money, I'd, I'd be half tempted. The, the thing that always sticks out to me whenever I ask Marco about Luckman is that he always brings up training. Like he's a, like whenever you bring up any player who's not in the side, he always brings up like all different players' attitudes and training. And the the thing that sticks out whenever we ask about Luckman is. He, Marco always says he needs to put in the effort on the training pitch, which is interesting to me. Mm. And yeah, I, I find it hard to disagree with Wheelow. You know, if somebody, if somebody like a Leipzig or you know any other Bundesliga side did come in, you know, you'd expect Luchman's going to be interested in that because you know he had a fairly successful time in the Bundesliga last time he went, and you know, he's cashing in on Luchman. Which is what it would be sending out the wrong message, though. You know, it's against it's, it's against the project that we're against, trying to build. Yeah, against yeah. the policy, the project. Why Marco? Partly why Marco was brought in to work with young players and improve them. It but, would it would fly in the face yeah, of everything I, yeah. that we've been trying to build. It does, but I, I, it it just depends on what price, doesn't it? Like if if a German club came in with a ludicrous amount of money, let's say like twenty five, thirty million for a player like Luchman, who's not getting the the amount of minutes that he's going to want. He's, you know, he's not exactly a vital player to the Everton squad as it stands. You know, Everton can use that money and try and reinvest that in other places of the squad. So you know, it, it's all it's all a nice little balancing act. And what about it, loaning him? I'm going right. You want to play? We can't guarantee you minutes because we don't think you're ready to, you've earned a place. But we'll send you to a club for a season where you will play. Well, that would, if that was Luckman, in a, in a strange way, that would show faith in me because it's it's saying that, listen, we don't think you're ready quite yet, but we see a long-term future at the club. And in many respects, that might well do him good if, if that's what Silver and Bands believe in him. And, and, and they have given him opportunities and they fought for him last summer, didn't they? Maybe that's what needs to happen because you look at it, Richarlison's going nowhere. Bernard's come on so much. Sounds like you want another extra kind of wide player. Mm. And even Walcott, you kind of like batted down those suggestions that Walcott could go. And imagine he's one of those again, like he, he might be difficult to shift he, given well, the way he, he's, he's the on. one who's... Silver always says put in 100% in training, isn't he? Like going back I, I to those don't, sorts yeah, of things. Yeah, I don't doubt it, yeah. yeah. It's obviously 
not necessarily consistent on the pitch, no. which is the issue for, <laughs> yeah. for for Evertonians. And you would imagine the issue for Silver. Um, yeah. But I, I, I guess with Silver's response over Walcott, and Walcott is obviously an ultra pro, isn't he? And, and as you say, Adam puts it in every week in training. He's always ready, always available. So you almost feel like Silver would never kind of want to kill him in a in in the press conference. He almost would want to defend him, you know, even mm. if privately he's thinking, "Crikey, look at look at that yeah, number at the bottom his of his form. salary. Yeah. Look at how many goals and assists he's produced." And, and, and at the end of the day, if you were to come out in these sort of press conferences and say, "Oh yeah, we are looking to sell him," where does that get you? Yeah, like it, it, mm. it, if anything, lowers his price. Yeah, and if like, it just it's just not really the right stance to make, especially like. He was getting asked those questions last month, was it? You know, he still had a few weeks left of the season. I think it was him. before he even scored against Man United. Yeah, it was, like, yeah, yeah. Imagine what that would do to a player's confidence if yeah. your manager's coming out and saying it at that point of the season. So, yeah, I don't think those comments can be read into all that much. Well, actually, as, as we say, Silver knows that he may not be able to shift him. Yeah. So may need him and may need to use him. Um, just before we move on, uh, just for another player, another different name, uh, no guarantees of being the squad, but he has recently. I think it'd be the last time we see James McCarthy. Wow. You know, given yeah. what Mick McCarthy said this week, that he's not been picked for the internationals uh, in end of May, start of June, because he needs to sort out his club future. You don't, you're not removed from international mm. duty to be told, yeah, you're staying, or even, yeah, you're going on loan. Mm. That says to me that James is probably going to push, push for a move away, but we will see. Well, he said he was looking for a loan move in January, didn't he, himself, uh, a few weeks ago. I think that was just after the United game. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to be to see him, at the very least, looking for a loan again, if not a permanent transfer. I think the other one that I was going to say, if not Jagielka, was probably Cenk Tosin. Yeah, I was thinking that, but again, similar with Walcott, he's going to be difficult to budge, isn't he? Yeah. Not, he's not on, I don't think he's on astronomical wages that perhaps were initially thought of, but... He's on decent wage. He doesn't sound like he wants to go anywhere. No. Um, He'll start this weekend as well. Well, that neatly, <laughs> neatly <laughs> segues into the uh, final part of uh, today's podcast. Uh, Michael Silver uh, at his press conference today revealing that Dominic Calvert-Lewin will not play. Had a kick in training at the start of the week, so he's not fit. And that Richarlison won't play either. That rib is still causing him some problems. Seamus Coleman, also a doubt. Um, what's the front three? <sighs> Well, having just tried to sell him to Germany, hopefully not. <laughs> I'd quite like just to see him give it a go, really. I don't, oh, do you even try Theo up front? Do you do something different? I don't know. Bring Sims in from the under-18s. <laughs> it's just like with Tosin. Like, it should be Tosin, shouldn't it? Like, you'd, you'd think, yeah. like for like, but... Well, we just put, doesn't play fill, Tosin, put him in the shop window, give him some games. Yeah, maybe, like the Luckman thing, but it just doesn't, doesn't potentially fill me with loads of excitement. And I, don't, I, I like Tosin. You know, you, you can tell he tries, but I just... I just, I just don't see him being as the the striker we all need. I'd, I'd definitely play Luckman, Bernard. Yeah, you probably, yeah, you probably would have to play Tosin. I think. <laughs> My concern, we alone was discussing before, and that was that was one that would come to head to come to come into your head. Bernard, Tosin, Luckman, not a great deal of pace. Now, mm. Bernard and Luckman are, are, you know, nifty and nippy, etc. But there's nobody who's running in behind there. Mm. That's my worry. I think whenever you play. Chenk Tosin up front in Marco Silva's formation. You've got to change the whole the whole way in which Everton play in general because he's such a different player to Dominic Calvert Lewin. Like Tosin needs the ball in the box, and if he gets the ball in the box, like we see it so many times when he goes on international duty for Turkey, 
they build their whole system around just getting the ball to toast in the box. And when they do it, more often than not, he finds the back of the net. He's a fantastic finisher when you give him those right positions. But how often do Everton give the ball to their striker inside the box? I think that's the the main issue that Dominic Calvert-Lewin's had over the last few weeks. We've been talking about him not getting the goals, but he's not really been getting those clear-cut goal-scoring chances, you know, apart from that Palace game aside, maybe. Uh, he's not really been getting those chances inside the box to be able to put it in the back of the net. And I feel like if you're going to put Cenk Tosin straight into that formation, playing the same system, just Everton are just going to struggle because he's not as energetic. He's not going to be closing down the centre-backs like Calvert-Lewin does. He's not as physical as Calvert-Lewin is. He's not. You're not going to be able to oof the ball up to him and he's not going to be able to hold off uh, probably Aldo Vareld who's going to be marking him you know he's not he's not going to be that kind of physical presence up there so if, if you're going to play him up, up against Spurs then you've just got to get him behind Spurs on the wings and I feel like the best way to do that is playing Theo Walcott mm. but then you've got the problem of his final delivery which just isn't good enough you need him to have a good game in terms of his final delivery because otherwise, I think Everton are going to struggle a little bit to create chances. Oh, Willows, you know, as you mentioned, could you find a place for Walcott in a sort of false 90 off the, you know, second centre forward? Do we play five at the back? Do we go, you know, five, three, two, three, five, two? Do you know? Do we play Mina, Zuma, and Keane? And we might have to play Kenny, you know, wing back where he's probably better suited. Do we do we go do we overhaul it that much? Yeah, well, if if it, it is kind of the chance to experiment, this isn't it really? I think the lowest we can finish is ninth, isn't it? If, mm. if Leicester beat Chelsea isn't on the, on the last day, so can't finish seventh. It's not really much. We, we hope to finish on a positive result, and I know Marco has been talking about how he he wants to get that first win away at a, a top six yeah. side, but I don't think there'd be any kind of uh, you know. There'd be no negativity if we were to lose on Sunday. Obviously, want to go and get, go and get a win or a point there. Why not? You know, could you play Sigurdsson as like a, a false nine? I don't know. I just like played, I, played up front in Leon, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, I just don't. I, I'd be I'd be quite. I'd be have no problems if Silver did do something like that. To be honest, and, and looking ahead to next season, it's just I think Sunday will prove how much we miss Calvert Lewin. We all know he's not the finished article. Yeah, but he, he's actually he's like mm. a, a focal point for us in these in these last few weeks. And you, you're right, Adam. I don't think he gets enough chances in the box. I was a bit. Bit disappointed him against Burnley. He had a couple of shots, then the like mm. openings. Not like clear cut chances. We were all desperate for him to to stick one in the back of the net because he deserves that. But I think Sunday, Sunday, and this discussion really underlines like he's actually an important player for us now, isn't he? You know, because there's no one who can can mm. really take his place. Mm. I think interestingly, like when you're talking five at the back, there is precedent for that. Like we did line up that way against Burnley. I think that was probably Yeti Mina's best game for the club. Richarlison was on the bench for that he game, was, so yeah. didn't have him involved. Walcott had a very good Walcott game. was really good and he played up front almost with Calvert-Lewin, yeah. didn't he? Uh, obviously, he won't have Calvert-Lewin next to him, but I don't mind the idea of pushing Sigurdsson up top with him mm. uh, and maybe crowding out the midfield, uh, trying to just disrupt spares in that way and then hit them hit them on the counter a little bit with Sigurdsson and Walcott. I'd, I'd be... I'd be quite happy with that. I think that that might be actually my preferred my preferred lineup. Do we uh, does does Gomez come back in after his suspension? Yes. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Don't really want to show him off, though, do we? That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Look what you want to buy. Exactly. Um, Adam, you're, uh, we're going down on Sunday. Um, what what in particular are you looking forward to seeing about Spurs' new stadium? I can't I mean, say that. 
crazy time. <laughs> oh, well, obviously we won't be drinking. Obviously. Not until after the game. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, apart from the microbrewery that they've oh, got of course, yeah. in, inside the inside the stadium, I'm looking forward to that single tier stand. Mm. That that looks really impressive on the pictures and from everyone that I've talked to who's been there, they said the pictures don't even do it justice. So I'm intrigued to see uh, how that looks because obviously Everton want to cr- try and recreate uh, something similar for the new Bramley Moor Stadium. Uh, so, yeah, I'll be really intrigued to see like how that affects the atmosphere uh, inside that stadium. Um, just for a wrap-up, Wheeler, oh, just, just come to me there. A victory on Sunday, of course, would, would be another feather in the cap for Silver because... Not only would it end the run without a win at top six, but we would have ended the season having beaten both Europa League finalists and won the Champions League finalists. <laughs> oh, yeah. Didn't realise that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, we, you know what? Funnily enough, we would talk about this from mate in the week. Like, it's record. We look back on this season and, you know, it's not been better in terms of league position than last season, but you look at the performances against the big teams and they're without doubt the highlights, aren't they? And even mm. the... even. You can never say that the derby in December is a highlight, but the performance mm. before what happened was, and even Arsenal away and, I'd, I'd say and Chelsea were, away and United away. I'd say you know, there were only three that were below par performances. So both games against City and the home game against Spurs, they were they were yeah. all below and par. That, that, those City ones were like the start and end of that horrible yes. run, yeah. weren't they? So, yeah, you know, looking at it, I, I, think, I think this is kind of, it might be a nice way to end this in terms of if you can go there... And, and get a, a good, at least a good performance because we're going to be under strength, aren't we? Yeah. And I just think, yeah, it, it, it'd be a real pointer to the summer and beyond if we can if we go and do what we've done in every other game we've, we've played against the, the, think, the majority of games, I should say, against mm. the big six. I think what's interesting, though, is that Spurs are going to be under strength as mm. well. You know, Son's going to be suspended, Foyth suspended, Kane's no, no, injured. Yeah, no Kane. So, you know, there's, a, there's an opportunity there for us to absolutely go at them and, you know... We're we're going to be like like potentially without an important trio uh, if Coleman doesn't make it as well. But you know, there's no reason to suggest we can't go there and have a really good go at them and potentially you know get all three points. You know, they're going to be on a high after what happened in midweek. But they've obviously expended a lot of energy Indeed. in midweek yeah. as well. The focus will have been a bit skewed over the last couple of days, uh, as Marco Silva alluded to in his press conference as. Mauricio Pochettino even alluded to in his press conference as well. So be interesting to see where their focus lies, uh, whether Pochettino decides to rest a couple of players. Uh, I know the Champions League final's three weeks yeah. away, but he's not going to want to risk any injuries, surely. No, not at this stage. No. So it'd be really interested to see how Spurs approach this game and you know, Everton have every, every right to be able to take advantage of that. Uh, predictions? I'm going to be positive and say 2-1. To Everton. (laughs) (laughs) Clean sheet. 2-0. I think we'll get something. I think it might be 1-1. I'd take that. Yeah, I think that's positive. Yeah, I'd take all of them. All right, well, thank you very much for listening to the final podcast uh, of the week. Uh, But of course, not the final podcast of the season. We'll be back around the table next week to uh, dissect, uh, hopefully, a positive performance and result from Spurs. And then going forward... Reviewing Silver's first season in charge as we look back at the ups and downs of the 2018-19 season. But for now, thank you very much for listening. Uh, Remember, you can rate, review and subscribe to us on iTunes and the Acast app. So please do so. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.